0: Well, thank you, Scott and uh, Will, for the welcome this morning. Um, It's good uh, to be with everyone here, and again, a welcome uh, to those who are with us for the first time in a long time. It's good to see you, and to to everyone who's joining uh, online as well this morning. Our passage for this morning is the second half of Romans 13, verses 8 to 14, if you'd like to turn to it. So, Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14. One of the uh, key features of a number of Paul's letters is that he spends the first part of the letter teaching fundamental truths of the gospel, and then he follows this up with practical application. Paul's goal is that doctrine will be lived out practically, that truth will impact daily life. Last week, Nick brought us through the challenges of verses 1 to 7. He reminded us of the importance of submission to authority. He gave our civil servants a big pat on the back. Even their masks couldn't hide their their smiles uh, as they sat here in church. And he highlighted the need to pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. And respect to whom respect is owed. Honour to whom honour is owed. Is owed. And that's where we left off last week. So let's read verses 8 to 10 uh, from our passage this morning. Verse 8. Oh, no one anything except love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So I've entitled this first bit, The Good Debt. It says in these verses, owe no one anything. These words link back to verse seven and remind us that we shouldn't run up debts in life. Some people use these words to teach that we shouldn't ever borrow money, but I don't believe that is what Paul is teaching. Rather, he is saying to us, don't take out things uh, which you know you can't afford. We are to pay our taxes and to pay our revenue that are due. Life is really tough for many at the moment. The massive impact of COVID on jobs and our income is all too real. So we need to look out for each other and be supportive as a church family. There is a debt, however, that we should always be aware of, that we must love one another. This is a debt we will never fully pay. We can never say, I have done all the loving that I need to do. But where does our love for each other come from? The Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. God showed his love among us when he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is where it all starts, when we consider what God has done for us. He created us, and he gave us life. And even though people from the beginning of time have rejected him and turned away, he sent his only son, Jesus, to take the punishment for our sins, to suffer and die on the cross so that we can be forgiven and set free. Think of those great themes in the earlier chapters of Romans, which we have considered. Redemption salvation, justification, sanctification. As Christians, we are adopted into God's family and called his sons and daughters. That's where it starts. Think about how much God has loved us and how much he does love us right now. We need to grasp it. We need to let that sink right in this morning. If you don't know about God's love, and forgiveness, we want you to know that God loves you and he wants you to experience his love and acceptance. We are so pleased that you are here to study the Bible with us. Please feel free to ask questions of the people who are sitting around you here in church. Or maybe you should think about coming along to our Christianity Explored course on a Wednesday night and find out how Jesus died for you and how he has conquered sin and death. and death. A favorite hymn of mine puts it like this. My song is love unknown, my saviour's love to me, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake, my Lord should take frail flesh and die? 1 John 4 goes on to say, dear friends, since God so loved us we also ought to love one another we have such a debt of love to god how can we not show our love for god by loving each other if we do this we have fulfilled the law it says in the old testament god gave his law in the form of 10 commandments to moses and the people of israel paul mentions some of the commandments in verse 9 of Romans 13. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As Paul wrote those words, no doubt he is thinking back to the event that happened in Matthew 22 when Jesus himself summarized the law in in verse 37. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. This is the good debt that we should continually pay. You will note that the commandments are written in the negative sense, warning us what we mustn't do, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. They are very clear foundations for our behavior and actions towards others. We are to do no wrong to your neighbor. But the flip side is that we are not just to avoid evil, but we are to love and to do good to others. By actively seeking to love our neighbor, we are fulfilling God's law. Jesus taught an expert of the law that our neighbor refers to everyone. It is not just limited to Christians. It's not just for people that we like. The parable of the Good Samaritan showed how love was demonstrated to someone who was considered an enemy. It meant the Christians in Rome had to love those around them who had completely different worldviews and who perhaps were persecuting them. It means we have to love the unpopular person in our work or in school or that frustrating neighbor who is just difficult. So how do we do this practically? Well, the first thing is we start by regularly remembering our debt of love to God by studying his word and coming to church, particularly coming... and and sharing in the breaking of bread service. Secondly, we pray to God and ask for the fruit of the spirit to be seen in our life, changing how we think, how we speak and act. Tim reminded us a couple of weeks ago about the marks of true Christian community within the church. And I am thankful that as a church family, we seek to live that out with each other but I'm also thankful that many many people here actively love their neighbor outside of church. We have witnessed this in so many practical ways, especially during the pandemic. People who take time to listen and keep contact with others. Those who have worked so hard to help others get better. So many who have served our community in different ways. Men and women who give generously to encourage their neighbors, the food parcel left at the door, the card that was written to keep us going, prayer warriors who pray for our church and for the nations, small and big acts of kindness to those we live next to. Even after COVID-19 has diminished, keep remembering the good debt we have to sincerely love one another, Doing no wrong to a neighbor because love is fulfilling the law. Let's uh, continue and we'll read the next few verses in our passage from verses 11 down to 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. its desires I wonder how you sleep do you snore do you like myself have a talk while you're asleep or maybe you just get up and walk about one thing that all of us have in common is that we don't realize we have been asleep until we wake up I remember two occasions when I woke up very abruptly The first happened about 25 years ago on a mission team from Crescent to Naples in Italy. As young people, we had been up messing around into the early hours. And the next morning, we got together as a team to pray. We sat around in a circle, and everyone took turns to commit the day into God's hands. But as soon as I bowed my head, I was out for the count until the person beside me gave me an elbow in the ribs and whispered, would you wake up? I jumped up, not sure what was going on, whether it was my turn or not. It was one of those really awkward life moments. The other time was on my way home from summer camp. I was driving along the M1 back to Belfast and I went off to sleep at the wheel. Thankfully, I drifted over to the side and the bumps of the white road marking brought me round, and I made it home in one piece. Note that in these verses, when Paul says wake up, he is speaking to Christians. How have things been for you over the past year or so? For some, it has meant continued service for God. Maybe that has looked very different in terms of how you've gone about your service but you have kept going faithfully. Maybe this has been particularly difficult because you've been on your own, or maybe you've been anxious, maybe you've been struggling in other ways, but you've decided to continue to worship God and serve Him. You kept praying for the young people, for the families, and for other members of Crescent. Some friends have experienced a really tough year with extremely tough events going on, and yet they have remained committed to God. And your example, you are an example to us all. Perhaps COVID-19 has been a wake-up call for you. It's been a bump in your journey that's got your attention. You've once again realized two things that are mentioned in the passage, that the Lord will return one day as he has promised to do. And you've also realized that you are now closer to meeting the Lord and giving an account account of your life to Him than you were when you first believed. The time came for you to wake up from your sleep. That may have meant engaging with Bible studies, praying more regularly, maybe sorting out some issues that have been dragging you down for many years. That has been a wonderful wake up from your sleep and we thank God for it. But my worry is that for a number, it has been easy to fall asleep over the past year. Normal rhythms of life have disappeared. Commitments have reduced. Online church has become comfortable for us all in your jammies with a mug of tea and a Malteser bun. And I'm guilty of planning to catch up with a few of the services later in the week. And now it's six months down the line and I still haven't listened to them. Do we need an elbow in the ribs and God's voice clearly saying, wake up to us? Maybe that's why you're here or listening in this morning. How much of your time is now spent doing nothing? I don't mean the kind of restful peace that we've all enjoyed as busyness has reduced over the past year, but I mean the fruitless wasting of time spent staring at a phone or on social media or doing anything at all besides engaging with God. Our society is built to distract us from the things that truly matter. Every Monday morning, I get a summary of the past week's phone usage. It can be a scary reminder to me. It's time to wake up from our spiritual sleep. Let's have the desire again to read the Bible. Let's be interested in what God is doing around us. Let's pray that that he would work through us and help us to be willing witnesses for him to our neighbors. Light is a theme that we find frequently in scripture. Jesus himself is called the light of the world. And here in verses 12 to 13, we have the contrasts of day with night, darkness with light. We can read the list of works of darkness in verse 13, various forms of sexual sin and drunkenness, but even quarreling and jealousy are included. Perhaps these seem to be lesser sins in our mindsets. What is clear is that when it comes to darkness and light, one will expel or diminish the other. The closer we live to the true light of the world, the more the darkness will be dispelled. Is there something in your life or mine that is dimming the light? Do we need to ask for forgiveness so that things can be put in order? Remember the promise of 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For all of us, we need to be careful how we walk because it is so easy to fall when we make a bad decision or when we rely on our own strength. We will all be aware of times when we have stumbled or walked away from the light. And sadly, we will remember apparently strong Christians who walked into darkness. Almost every time that I have spoken here in church, I have quoted a man who died last year. A brilliant mind, an incredible communicator, engaging personality. I loved his books, his apologetics but I will never quote him again. When he died, true stories emerged about his perverse conduct. The light exposed the darkness that had been concealed for many years, severely damaging the reputation of his organization and his family. Christian integrity is such a precious thing which we must continually pursue. In the Bible, we could think of characters of integrity, Daniel, Joseph, Ruth, and Mary, Joshua, and Caleb. Others like Rahab, Mary Magdalene, and Paul himself, whose lives changed so dramatically as they left their works of darkness behind. Let's pray that God, by his grace, will help and guide us along good paths of integrity, and purity as we seek to follow him and finally we are to wear the right clothes we are told in verse 12 to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light verse 14 tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ if we look at one of other paul of one of paul's other books colossians he tells us to put to death earthly things, and put on the new self. The imagery is one of putting on clothes, and the characteristics that we should show are the characteristics of Christ. Kindness, compassion, humility, acceptance, forgiveness, patience, harmony, gentleness, and over all of these we are to put on love. It requires effort and preparation to put on the characteristics that are required to live effectively day by day? How much time do we spend getting dressed and ready physically each day, buying our clothes, choosing what looks best, ironing it, checking in the mirror how we look, putting on our makeup, gelling our hair? I wish I could still gel my hair. Maybe you like a label. Maybe you like Nike or Jack Wills, Ralph Lauren, whatever you like. It's good to be well presented and to look after our families, but how much do I desire the label of my clothes to say, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. These verses make me think about how earnestly do I pray for myself and for Irma to be clothed with Christ each day to have the armor of light in place. If we do, this will help us to resist walking into darkness and it will empower us to show Christ-like characteristics in our work with our neighbors, friends, and our family. Do I invest enough time teaching God's word to my kids so that they have solid foundations for now and also as they grow up? that love and joy, goodness, self-control will be evident in their lives. Take time to pray for God's help in your own life. Dedicate your spouse, your children, your friends to God each day. Ask that you will all be clothed with the right clothes, that you will remain in the light and stay awake as effective followers of Christ. If we are awake and stay away from darkness, if we are clothed with Christ, we will be equipped for each day. We will love our neighbors and we will bring honor to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart Bless your name, Jesus, and the deeds of the day and the truth in my ways speak of you, Jesus. For this is what I'm glad to do. It's time to live a life of love that pleases you, and I will give my all to you, surrender everything I have, and follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.